Welcome to ADK After Hours. I'm Kieran Harris, producer of the show and investor in Murderers R Us, a one-stop shop for all your murdering needs. I am actually in today's episode, uh, so it feels a bit weird to introduce myself, but it seemed even worse to insist on someone else giving me like an impressive sounding intro, so uh, here we are. Uh, it's a conversation with my friend and colleague Luisa Rodriguez, where we cover uh, my views on free will and how I came to hold them, what it's like not experiencing sustained guilt, shame, and anger, whether Luisa would become a worse person if she felt less guilt and shame, specifically whether she'd work fewer hours or donate less money or become a worse friend, whether giving up guilt and shame also means giving up pride, uh, the implications for love, the neurological condition jerk syndrome, and some practical advice on feeling less guilt, shame, and anger. One important thing to flag is that neither Luisa or I have backgrounds or expertise in philosophy or neuroscience, so uh, yeah, it makes sense to take everything we say in this episode with a grain of salt. But the point of this episode wasn't to debate the philosophy, it was just to try and help people who either already agree with me intellectually, or who haven't engaged with us before, but will think it makes sense. As you'll hear, I think the potential of massively reducing how much guilt and shame and anger uh, we feel on a daily basis is a pretty big deal, and uh, we thought that being honest about how we think about this stuff seemed like a good idea overall. But we could definitely be wrong about that, and I just hope that I've helped Louisa feel a bit less guilty about it, uh, if it turns out this was a terrible idea. Alright, here's me and Louisa. Okay. So, Kieran, uh-huh. we work together. We're sure. also friends. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and w- one of the most amazing things about you is, um, yeah, that you don't feel at least prolonged guilt or shame um, or anger. Uh, yeah, is that, is that basically right? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I would say that I never feel enduring guilt or shame. Well, actually, I, I can't remember the last time it was more than a day of feeling guilt or shame about anything. Wow. Uh, And it's actually very rare for it to be over an hour. And it's pretty rare for it to be over five minutes. Like, it's not happening every day. Wow. Um, But, like, maybe once a week or something. Right. Maybe I'd have something that you would describe as, like, guilt or shame for, like, ten minutes or something. What's the kind of thing that that would make you feel the extremes of what you do feel? Like... What kind of thing would make you feel guilty for five minutes versus max, I guess, 24 hours? Yeah, um, I think the most extreme thing would be if I had done something to make my wife sad, Mm. I think. And like it was obviously me. Yeah. Um, And then the way I experience that is not, I like, I never endorse it. I never Mm -hmm. endorse feeling guilty. Right, even Um, then. Even then I don't endorse it. But the way I experience it is more like anxiety. So it's more like it's a physical reaction. So like I will feel anxious, like my body will react in such a way as if mm-hmm. it, it thinks I should be guilty. And I yeah. have to sort of like talk myself out of it. But it, yeah, it is the case that as soon as I recognize myself feeling that way, which I've gotten better and better at over the years, uh, it does help a lot. Um, and it's only in these extreme cases when it can still be the rest of the day. It's actually not even like 24 hours. It's basically just like going to sleep. It's like very, right. I, 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 I can't remember having an experience like that and then waking up the next day still feeling that way. Wow. 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then the kind of thing that's five minutes. That might be like making a mistake at work or something. Uh -huh. um, so it might be something like, oh, well, I like entered in like the wrong link or something uh, or, yeah. um, you know, something like, I don't know, like the show notes to a podcast episode or something were like a bit off and like someone saw some like HTML or something, just something like silly yeah. where it's like maybe initially it's like, ugh. Um, but uh, again, it's like nothing I endorse and it goes weird pretty quickly. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Is that as nice as it sounds? Sounds great. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it is great. And that's why we're doing this episode, because I think <laughs> that uh, given, because, you know, as, as you said, we are good friends. And given what I know about how you experience guilt and shame, um, yeah. it feels like kind of a superpower um, hmm. to not experience these things with what I claim to be no real costs. Uh, I don't think I don't really think that I suffer for this. Uh, yeah. And so I am hopeful that if you and I can talk for long enough, that I can at least push you in this direction. Right, right. Well, I am, hmm, I, I guess we'll talk about the cost later um, and whether whether there are any. But um, yeah, I guess to start, I'd love to know <laughs> just how you became this way. And um, yeah, and as you said, I'm, I feel loads of guilt, loads of shame. <laughs> and would love not to. Um, so mm -hmm. the, the whole thing here that we're trying to do is to see if you can bottle any of that up for me and um, mm -hmm. hand me some of your secret. Um, <laughs> yeah, so is it right that you haven't always been this way? Yeah, that's right. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, that would be weird if I'm like, just from a baby, I immediately, yeah. this was just genetic. Well, we have a term um, for it and it's mm -hmm. sociopathy or something. <laughs> that's right. Uh, no, so I think I had like pretty normal, um, relationship to, to guilt and shame. Uh, I mean, the thing that like stands out to me in my past, mm -hmm. like I really had a problem with was, uh, ruminating over mistakes. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, for me, like in high school, I was like, not so interested in academic stuff. I was very interested in impressing the girls that I had crushes on. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so if <laughs> I made what I thought was a big mistake, uh, in, uh, you know, in, in some way and right. not impressing them or something like I would just like for, I mean, sometimes for like months, like just be going Whoa. back and being like, Oh, if I only did like this thing, wow. um, if it like this, like specific moment, like if I had just like said this thing, if I just Wild. like made that slightly different decision, if I had wear, worn a jacket that was less uncool, <laughs> you know, whatever Whoa. it was. Is that, <laughs> is that a real example? Oh, that's a real one. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, this really, really dumb jacket. That was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, I you also, might be married to someone else now. Yeah, well, totally. Anyway, so I would ruminate on this a lot. Yeah. Um, and then what, like, started to turn for me is that, um, you know, I, I used to like talking to my friends about philosophy stuff when I was, like, pretty young. But so mm. when I was a teenager... I think I was watching a documentary when I started like really thinking about this. Basically, I was watching this documentary uh, about uh, a serial killer who was like on death row mm -hmm. uh, and seeing like the reaction um, to this serial killer and seeing how many people not just wanted him to have the death penalty, but were like really like fervent about it, like right. really passionate, really angry, really, really angry um, with this guy. And to the point where it seemed to me like they thought that he had the option 
of doing what he did. So he like had this free choice right. um, to like murder these people or not. And he chose to murder them. And that's yeah. why they're so angry with him. And I thought, this seems like kind of bullshit to me because <laughs> being a serial killer is such a like different kind of a person. Right. Um, it's such like a extreme of the human experience that to right. me, a serial killer was more like, like an alligator or something. Mm-hmm. Where it was like it's so different. Where it's like okay, if an alligator gets into your town and like kills thirteen people, it's like this is like a horrible tragedy. But you wouldn't be mad at the alligator. You wouldn't have this. You would like even if you thought that the alligator should be like put down, you wouldn't have this like thirst for justice, this retributive justice. Yeah, right. And right, it, seemed, right. it seemed to me to imply that not just that they thought the serial killer could have done otherwise. But that they could do otherwise. So it seemed to me mm-hmm. like they were basically saying, like, well, we could all be serial killers. We could all kill 13 people. We choose not to. Right. We're the good people. We choose right. not to do that. But the bad people, they'll do it. Because obviously we all want to do that and none of us do it. And I thought, this is crazy. Like, there's no way these people, these just mild-mannered people, right. could kill people. And in the reverse, I don't think that there's really any way for this serial killer to have not. Um, and that's what I thought. This was like the the beginning of this with me just being like, yeah, I don't really buy that you can just do anything. I don't buy that you can like avoid doing anything. I don't think that's a free choice. Had you thought about free choice much before or is it really pretty organic? Yeah, it's pretty organic. Yeah. And wow. even this like wasn't explicit. This is just like me having like independent thoughts on this. Wow. Um, really talking about the death penalty, basically. It's like me making right. a case to my friends about why I don't think the death penalty makes sense. And then, yeah. And so when it actually started getting crystallized was that when I read Sam Harris's book, Free Will, short book, Mm -hmm. and he was making basically the exact case that I was making for serial killers, but he was just making it for all of us for everything, basically. Right. And immediately just make perfect sense to me. I was just like, oh, this is just absolutely true. So uh, the example that he gives is of Charles Whitman, who was uh, known as the clock tower killer. And Charles Whitman uh, ended up killing, I think, 14 people. And he killed his wife and his mother, and then he killed himself, too. And he left these, he left what was basically a suicide note um, saying, I have no idea why I did this. I loved Mm -hmm. my family. I have no idea what was going on. Uh, I've just been flying into a a rational rage lately. I don't recognize myself at all. Um, Mm. I think that you should perform an autopsy on me to see what happened. Wow. And so that's what that, that's what they did. So, you know, um, that's what they did. And they found that he had a tumor that was pressing into his amygdala. Wow. Which was exactly the kind of tumor and exactly the kind of place that you would expect someone to have done this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when we hear about that case, we think, oh, okay, like that is exculpatory for most people. It's like, well... It wasn't Charles Whitman doing this. It was Charles right. Whitman plus this tumor. Plus the tumor. Yeah. Um, and maybe even mostly the tumor. And basically what Sam Harris and what I am saying is that this case of the tumor is not importantly different to every case, really. Mm-hmm. That it is effectively it's tumors all the way down. Um, <laughs> that humans are biological machines. You know, right. we're, just, we're just, you know, biological robots, basically. And the uh, the scientist Robert Sapolsky he makes this analogy with a car that's um where its brakes have like broken down, and says that if a car's brakes have stopped working, you don't get mad at the car for this. Yeah, um, right, right. You just right. accept that the car is breaking down. Maybe you have to take it off the road. In the example yeah. of like someone who's dangerous, you know, all those things still apply. 
um, but you don't get mad at it. Right. And so basically it is this, it is this realization that with perfect information, you could always have this explanation like with Charles Whitman. It would be like, oh, this bit in a different part of his brain was the reason right. that he did X. And you don't, it doesn't have to be as, as extreme as this, you know, the murdering case. It can be something like, oh, a husband forgot his anniversary. And it's like, well, why did he do that? Well, with total information, we could tell you exactly why he did that. Uh, and maybe it was, you know, something to do with his genetics. Maybe it was something to do with, you know, what he had for lunch that day. Right. Um, but there's going to be some explanation. And I believe that all actions are the result of prior causes. Yeah. And there's nothing else left. Like once you have all these prior causes, it will just lead to you doing exactly what you do in any case. Right. If you pause the universe just before you make a decision, whatever that decision you make, that's what would have happened a trillion times in a row. Yeah. And that if that's true, then you have to ask yourself this question, which I will ask constantly during this, uh, <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I do throughout my life. Could someone have done otherwise? You know, whether right. it is murdering someone to just leaving the butter out, you know, could they have done otherwise? And if the answer is no, then I feel like that has big implications. Yeah. I mean, people just have the really strong intuition that like tumor there is exculpatory. And then as mm -hmm. soon as you take it out and someone then separately commits murders um, or mm -hmm. like other person commits murders and they had no tumor to find, uh, that that was their choice. And yeah, I guess some people just really bite that bullet, but it makes no sense to me. Like, obviously, other person committing murders is doing it for weird reasons as mm. well. Like, they're not visible on our brain scans and we don't separately, it doesn't cause cancer, which yep. kills you. But mm -hmm. like... It's the same kinds of actions. Where else are they coming from? There's something imperceptible going on, probably also with their amygdala, that like in 100 years we'll probably understand perfectly and people will have brain scans showing that they have murder parts of their brain. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think back 100 years ago, um, we didn't know what epilepsy was, right? So people thought that that yeah. was like demonic possessions. That was just like, mm -hmm. hey, that's like your best guess. Um, maybe not hundred years, but whatever it is, like that's not that long ago. Um, yeah. And well, science advances, and we go, oh, we know what that is now. Yeah. And so there's no reason to think that that won't continue to progress. Where we're like, oh, okay, that murderer, or just like that jerk, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like we now know what was going on in their brains at the time. Yeah. And we could, with total information, track it back to you know, right. maybe to when they were born. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel to you like the thing going on there is just like, in one case, we have a clear story about the causes. In another case, we don't understand the causes. And we have this this illusion that we're making choices. Um, yes. Well, in my view, it's an illusion. But so something like, it's much harder to tell a story that's like, well, he has an invisible thing in his brain and mm -hmm. also maybe had bad things happen to him as a child or like... Uh, there's like this complex set of reasons that are like kind of impossible to write down. And so in that case, it's much easier to just fill in the details with this illusion of free choice that's like, that feels very familiar to us. I think that's all true. And then I think that um, feeling the illusion so strongly ourselves, it's mm -hmm. just so easy to just project that to everyone else. Right, um, right. So I think that it is linked that if you can see through it for yourself, then you can see through it for other people too at the same time. 
Yeah, cool. So I think we do have super similar views on free will and free choice. And yeah, I mean, my, I guess my origin story is a bit less organic. Well, yeah, I'll I'll say what that was just briefly because it feels so similar. I feel like it'll be satisfying. Um, (laughs) Yeah, my version of this was, I think maybe I was like 18 um, and there's a podcast radio lab and um, it describes uh, this case of a man who um, who actually has epilepsy, and um, he has seizures, has surgery to remove um, some part of his brain that they somehow know is causing seizures. Um, they go away for like a decade, and then uh, they come back, um, and he has another brain surgery. Um, He also cares a lot about music. So he's like playing the piano the whole time. He's having surgery um, to make sure he keeps that. Um, And like is perfectly confident that he'll like be himself when the surgery is over. And then I think it's something like a year later, he he's like since gotten married. They're like very happy. Um, But a year later, uh, the FBI shows up at his door and you find out that he's um, been consuming like really, really, really despicable um, child pornography and uh, that he basically immediately after the surgery had intense, uh, impossible to control urges to to download this and consume it. And laid out this way, I'm just like, poor, poor man. His life was ruined and he spent time in jail uh, or in prison and like people think he's a horrible person, but like this horrible thing happened to him. And yeah, I mean, that just like completely convinced me immediately. And I even had a tattoo uh, already that was um, from this Richard Dawkins book that actually basically is kind of in support of free will. And, and then I just had this tattoo that I don't really believe and still do. Um, it says, we alone on earth can rebel against the tyranny of the selfish replicators. So our genes. And yeah, I heard this podcast episode. And I was like, crap, <laughs> we can. <laughs> our genes and whatever, all these other things are just determining all of our actions. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so I am I'm on board. Um, and like, I do think we have kind of similar things where like, it sounds like you don't feel, um, you know, this anger toward, for example, a murderer. And I don't feel mm-hmm. any anger toward um, this this person, um, even though, yeah, they had horrible causes on the world. Um, yeah, I actually think we both express something. Well, I've heard you before express something like sympathy. Um, yes. Which is such a yeah. different <laughs> feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, so I actually had heard this Radio Lab episode. Um, no way! Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I heard it after I was already um, okay. already had had my views, right? Um, but no, I just agree with you completely. And I've actually used this as an example. Um, nice. I'm talking about this in the past, saying that imagine that you woke up tomorrow with the same uncontrollable urges that this guy did. Yeah, that is just about the worst thing that can happen to him. It's like pretty yeah. close. It's yeah. um, it's so horrible, and everyone will hate you. Yeah. Like there's just, <laughs> and it just, yeah, to me, I, I, I couldn't even get into a mindset where I, where I wouldn't feel sympathy for someone like that. 
Um, right. But I just I just expand that to everything. So it's like it's almost like easier in these like cases where they're like really severe, and it's like that is like obviously life deranging. Right. Exactly. Um, and so what I would say, and what I'm, I'm sure I'll say to you as this conversation mm-hmm. goes on, is when you think about things that are not so extreme, and you think about someone who's just a jerk, right? Who's just like a jerk to you. And like, you feel angry for them for that. Yeah. And I say, well, is their life better for being a jerk? Does that make them happier? Does that reduce their suffering? Is that something that you would choose to be if you could click a button and be a jerk? Is that something that they would choose to be? I don't think so. I think it's bad Mm. for them. Um, And I think that there is no way that you can choose to be that kind of a person or to turn it off. Um, and so I actually immediately feel sympathy for people like that. Mm. Um, it's just in my view, it's unlucky and it is lucky. It's not just unlucky for them. It's good to reflect that we are lucky for not being jerks as much as we're not jerks. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, that does make sense. Yeah. The idea being that, uh, as soon as you know that not only could they not have done otherwise, it's also just like probably sucky for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can at least, at least go from anger to not anger and maybe even to sympathy. And yeah, I guess, do you, do you want to say what that looks like when you turn it inward? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been talking about cases, uh, or other people where we're like, okay, yeah, we get on board. They couldn't have done otherwise. Great. Um, if you turn this inward, the same thing still applies. There is no way to justify, um, while there's one case for everyone else in the world, but no, you really could do otherwise. You're the special magic person who could do otherwise. Um, and so if we accept that we're not magic and that we are just, we're just, you know, robots who sometimes malfunction, there is no room on my view to feel guilty, to feel ultimately responsible for your actions. Because if you, mm. if you really couldn't have done otherwise, then what are you feeling guilty about? So I don't know, like, let's say you're like holding a drink, uh, like a party and you just trip out of nowhere and you get wine on someone's shirt. I imagine that a lot of listeners, and I'm guessing maybe even you, uh, Hmm. would feel this like guilt and shame. Um, You'd be like really embarrassed and you'd feel shame over the fact that you tripped and you'd feel like guilty over the fact of their shirt. And it all suddenly start to seem like you think you could have done otherwise Mm. uh, in this moment. And yeah, what I'm just saying is that if you, with, you know, some practice, yeah, you can just see through this in the moment and be like, stuff happens. You right, know, just, right. Oh, oh, well, this sort of thing with anything like that. It's just, oh, well, like there's no, I couldn't have done otherwise. So I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm not going to feel shame. Right. Yeah. I guess before we go any further, um, do you have any doubts about the whole free will thing? Um, any counter arguments that land with you or? Sure. So I think what's called libertarian free will, which is what we've really mm-hmm. been talking about, where you really could have done otherwise. So in some sense of like, yeah, if you stopped the universe in one point and we're an ice cream parlor and I say to you, like, pick anything you want. You can pick any of the mm-hmm. flavors. This is, I mean, this is the kind of free will I think most just non-philosophers think that they have. Right, I think, yeah. um, Is that they think they could truly pick any of them. And that if we pause the universe, run it a trillion times, uh, they would pick different flavors. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas what I'm saying is like, no, if you track everything that's going on in your brain, you know, a series of events in your brain are going to lead to you, like you feeling like chocolate. And when you feel like chocolate, you're going to make the decision to buy chocolate because why wouldn't you? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's just like a sign to you, like it's going to be chocolate. And you're this just like, really just like this witness to right. 
this body who is choosing chocolate. So I think there's like no way that that exists. I think that if libertarian free will existed, we're just living in a different universe. And I think actually like almost no non-religious philosophers believe in this. It's like if you look at really? um, David Chalmers's like Phil Papers survey, wow, it's like roughly the same percentage of people who believe in God and believe in libertarian free will. And I like imagine there's just like a massive overlap to that. I don't oh, actually I know, see. but mm-hmm. I'm guessing that it's just like roughly it's like 14% for both or something. Okay. Uh, because that's one of the implications of believing there's no free will is that it undercuts most strains of, say, Christianity and Islam. It's like because without free will, then the notions of heaven and hell can't exist, right? Oh, I um, see. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you couldn't, if if God just created you to be a robot and then yeah. made you into a malfunctioning robot that, like, did evil things and then, like, Can't he sent you to you. hell forever, um, it makes no sense. So yeah. <clears throat> there's, like, a starting point where you have to have free will um, if heaven and hell work. So that kind of free will, I think, like, is just, like, off the table to me. I don't know. It's, like, one of the things I'm, like, most confident in the world. I just, hmm. I can't even, like, wow. think of, I, I can't even imagine what, what the case is for that. Yeah, how do you think about the illusion of it? Do you just think it's kind of uh, at some point it was useful um, as as we're evolving, and so we've got this weird thing, and maybe it has some use that's a bit hard to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I could definitely like speculate, but certainly uh, I, I I don't know. Basically, uh, okay. I don't know what's going on there. Um, yeah, but I but I don't think that the illusion is like evidence of it existing. Um, yeah. and I think that actually that illusion disappears if you pay close enough attention. And so it doesn't give me that much pause, the illusion. Interesting. Um, I think that, yeah, if you, it, it, you know, this this is getting into meditation, but if you pay close enough attention to every thought that's arising, Mm -hmm. this subjective experience of having free will just goes away. Cool. Well, I guess you're going to talk about some other um, objection to free will that maybe you're more sympathetic to. Or, oh, yeah, or a version yeah. of it that you're more sympathetic to? Yeah, I was going to say that um, if I'm wrong about all this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, I am probably wrong because compatibilists like uh, Dan Dennett, like Sean Carroll, um, are right in the way that they think about free will. It's basically like, mm-hmm. yeah, technical term for what I'm talking about is hard determinism. That's my position, um, which uh-huh. is that you, you just, you know, there's no, there's no free will. It's all calculations. It's all calculations. It's just like. It's tumors all the way down. Yeah. Um, and that we have no free will. Yeah. And compatibilists will agree that we're in this deterministic universe. Um, but they will say, even though that's true, totally right about that, they totally agree on libertarian free will. They think that's just magic. There's no mm. way that's true. They will say that we still have a type of free will. And that in some deep sense, that should give us moral responsibility. Um, Dan Dennett uses the analogy of if you were sailing a boat at sea, you can't control the waves, but you can control the boat. Now, I actually don't know what they're talking about. When <laughs> I, I, yeah, I know that you've had a similar experience, but like, I can't give you a really good version of the important differences here. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually know where most compatibilists come down on these like important questions that you know we'll talk about. Where, yeah. Um, you know, should you be mad at this person for that? Should you feel guilt? These questions like this, I'm still like a bit right. confused. Uh, I mean, one example is I had, <laughs> I had the experience a few years ago of um, going on a walk with our colleague, Rob Wibblin, mm-hmm. um, who uh, he heard me talking about this and he calls himself, or at least at the time, uh, called himself a compatibilist. And I went like, oh, that's mm-hmm. really interesting. Like, yeah, let's talk about that. 
And what I did is I, I was trying to get to the bottom of our actual disagreements. So I just kept firing thought experiments at him, being like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to try and find where we disagree. And I couldn't do it. Huh. I couldn't find any examples where we disagreed. And so I ended the conversation just being like, you're not a compatibilist. But mm-hmm. maybe he is a compatibilist and there's just no real important difference. And it's just like around this this game around definitions where it's like they right. were like compatibilists would like to say that free will is just a case of like the brain making choices. Because of course humans make choices. Of course. Right. And so if the if brains are making choices, then that's free will. Um, and by choices, you mean like there are sets of actions that yes. are available to the brain and the brain yes. is like, we're doing this one. Yes. Um, and they're not, co- and, the, and the brain isn't coerced. There's no gun to its head. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore that is some kind of degree of freedom, which again, on their account would give you moral responsibility. Mm-hmm. I think it's like over 50% of philosophers think this. Um, I find it very confusing. I don't get it. Wow. It, it. It's I've just never been able to wrap my head around it. It all sounds to me sounds to me like very smart people like coming up with ways to explain this thing of like, look, we definitely mm-hmm. have free will. Let's try and figure out a way to explain it. But yeah, so I don't know. Maybe I just like. I mean, it feels a bit strange if it's like you and I are like not smart enough to like follow these <laughs> arguments. It feels like we should yeah. be able to do it. But um, yeah, it just I yeah I, I don't get it. Right. So. Thinking of a really concrete example, like choosing between chocolate and, um, I don't know, a brownie. Um, mm-hmm. Do they believe that, like, if you ran the same choice over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, if you if you could just, like, go back in time, yep. that the brain might make a different choice each time? No. So that's libertarian free will. And they think that's crazy. They think that's magic. So they literally think that the person can do, cannot, well, will not do anything but the same thing over and over again. They will always choose yes. the chocolate. And yes. they think there's free will involved in that. Yes. They think that uh, there are degrees of freedom. And again, I like, I feel like I'm not going to do this justice because it doesn't make right. any sense to me. Well, I guess um, neither of us will. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people will get mad at us. Because again, big disclaimer, like, I have no background in philosophy. My background is in being a professional poker player. (laughs) Like, there's no no reason, like, I should be right and they should be wrong. So, like, definitely go out and, um, yeah, you know, read. You could read Sam Harris's book to see my views. um, And you could read uh, Dan Dennett's book to see um, a compatibilist view. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just, I don't, I don't really know what they're talking about. And also I feel like they're just not getting to the bottom of what actually matters here. Because I think, I think this question is not just you and I having this like fun back and forth on whether we have free will. I think this is a really important question. Hmm. I think it's really important for us psychologically. Um, I think a life where you don't experience sustained guilt and shame and anger and hatred, I think this Mm -hmm. is a dramatically different experience. And this has real implications globally. Uh, hmm. I am incapable of feeling hatred for someone, right? So you can like very easily think about like, well, if groups of people couldn't hate other groups of people, that's going to be a different world. Um, or take the criminal justice system, right? Like if I was designing that, you know, maybe I would still be putting the same people behind bars, but it would all be forward thinking. It would all be like, okay, no one decided to be criminals this sucks right. for everyone who's going to go to jail. I'm so sorry about this, but we just can't have you out because you're violent. That is yeah. really horrible. 
Right. Um, but that is a so totally different way of thinking about it. A criminal system that had punishment, like um, punitive, no, you no, did something would, bad and you yes. deserve to suffer. It's yes, purely would, just like protect society from people yes. who can't help but do bad things. That's it. It is like what we're talking about at the top of the conversation. It is just real compassion for everyone, by mm. the way. Because again, if they've done something really bad, they might have to be in jail for the rest of their lives. Mm. That sucks to be that mm-hmm. person. Like, that's terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, in your world, maybe prisons aren't even, I mean, they deprive you of your freedom and that's terrible, but maybe they're yeah. not even uh, like bad places to be. Uh, no, all you're no, trying I mean, to do is. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like you can make the argument that they should be bad places as a disincentive. If you think that, um, oh, I if, you see. Think that if you think they're bad places, maybe people would avoid doing these crimes. I'm like very skeptical of that for very violent crimes where it's like, hmm. I don't think that it's like someone's about to murder a family. Right. And it's, and it's like, mm, they're like weighing prison, it seems, up. prison seems a little bad. I don't think yeah. so. I, I might not do that today. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you can make the case. But again, it would still be like with this compassion of being like, I am sorry we have to make this prison so unpleasant, but mm-hmm. we've like run the numbers and we actually think that the world would be better off in this way. Uh, hmm. But, but you would still be like, oh, we're sorry about this, right? Where it's like, that yeah. is not the vibe. And in fact, you know, a huge amount of what's going on in the criminal justice system is this retributive stuff, is this right, punitive right, stuff, right, right. is this like, yeah. you deserve to be punished, even if it has no benefit on society. Like, even if you really are very confident this person is not going to reoffend. Right. Um, which happens. I mean, you know, it, it can happen in cases where... Well, in the Radiolab case, um, yeah, yeah. The this person has the brain surgery they like commit these horrible crimes and then once their surgeon uh kind of finds out the extent of it uh they're able to prescribe drugs that totally suppress the thing exactly they also suppress his libido and his appetite uh Mm -hmm. but he's just like yep i'll take that i don't want to be uh consuming child porn absolutely so once they cure him what are we doing like why would you put like what is the benefit of putting him in jail like it seems like no Mm -hmm. benefit at all like there is no one who is being dissuaded from from doing what he did based on this like punishment. So yeah, what I was saying is just that this is a really important question. And I feel like most people don't grapple with that. And I think that's mm. that's my impression when I hear like, you know, read books or read interviews with compatibilists, is that they're not really getting to these questions of or for the most part, of these these really important questions, like, okay, like yeah, should we like restructure the criminal justice system? Should we fundamentally <laughs> not be being angry at people ever? Like, it's just like, obviously, this is not how society works. Like, I am, I actually don't know anyone personally who acts as if free will is an illusion. I, I don't, I know that there are people out there. I don't know them personally. Yeah. Um, even, even know that there are plenty of people who, um, like you who are very sympathetic to my right, views. Right, right. Like, basically no one acts this way so it would be a very different world if everyone was acting the way i did right yeah interesting you're making me realize that i actually do think i basically act this way for other people um Mm. like i mean really this case from radio lab has like haunted not haunted but like stuck Mm. with me um so like I have friends that I think do things that are like hurtful to me or hurtful to others. And like often my partner, Ollie, is like, I'm angry on your behalf. And I'm like, I'm not. Like they are that way because they like can't help it. And like the reasons for that are a mix of like they 
have a certain type of personality because they were born with it. And then also like they grew up in this other way and like, no, I don't feel, don't feel angry. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe a bunch of the work is going to be in pointing it inward. Um, And I do think I'm just predisposed to feeling guilt and shame. And so maybe it makes sense that it's a harder, um, harder maneuver for me. I'm kind of tempted to, 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 to experiment with it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, because like on paper, you'll agree with me, right? Like there's no reason to think that you magically have this free will that like no one else has. Yes, on paper, I agree with you there. I mean, so like this case of the of this person who consumes child porn, mm-hmm. um, I don't want him to feel shame, maybe with an exception of like, could it have been useful for him to feel more shame? Would he have reported himself earlier or something? Um mm. So there's some like instrumental thing, and I think we'll get into that. But there's this other thing that I can't tell if we feel different about. Maybe we don't. Um, I don't feel like he should feel shame if it's not helpful. I do feel like deeply, deeply sad um, about the fact that he did what he did. I totally get what you're saying. I mean, it's like it makes perfect sense to be sad about this happening in the world, but to me, I would say it's equally sad, at least on paper. It makes sense the way you don't feel this way, but it's equally sad if your neighbor is doing this and, and as your experience. Like, like, it sucks for you. It's like unlucky that you are now in this body that's doing this. Hmm. Um, but it'll also be a, you know, it would be very unlucky for them too. Um, and so, yeah, the fact yeah. that it is you rather than someone else, I don't actually think that is this important distinction. And that's maybe, yeah, that's going to be like where we, where we come apart a bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe we should just like literally play it out. I'm going to, I'm going to hand you the reins here. Okay, great. So I wanted you to pick, I mean, maybe a bunch of different situations, but tell me about a a type of situation in your life when you feel, uh, when you feel shame. So yeah. When do I regularly feel shame? Yeah. I mean, on the day to day, it's, it's things around, um, well, wanting to do good in the world, uh, wanting in particular to use my career for good, and then uh, feeling like I fall short of that regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, the most common one is like, do I work enough? Could I be working more? Uh, would it be good if I worked more? Like, I'm trying to do the most good. Probably working more is like more good. And so like, I should do that. And regularly when I don't, I'm like, both I'm a bad person and also uh, like my colleagues and like people who share my values would be disappointed in me. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get into it. (laughs) Okay. So first thing, obviously, this is like just going to be a a follow through of all of this and maybe a bit repetitive. Um, Do you think that you can choose to be a, a harder working person? Do you think that is a choice that you can make? That you can wake up one morning and make this free choice to be harder working? Yeah, interesting. It's funny how much I do. <laughs> it's super intuitive to me right now that, like, yes, I could choose to be harder working. Right. Um, but it is true that I don't <laughs> believe it <laughs> when I reflect right. on it. So, you, yeah, there's no, like, part of you who actually, yeah, when you reflect on it, you don't actually, you don't actually think this is true. You don't think you could choose this? No, I mean, let me let me just convince myself. Um, yeah, I am a person with the brain. The brain 
only has a certain amount of attention for work, it also has really powerful other motivations, like wanting to go out for walks and travel. And those things uh, get enough airtime in my brain that my brain chooses them more Mm -hmm. often than, well, than some part of me thinks is ideal. But uh, yeah, I think it's just the way it is. I don't really think I could. Yeah, I actually think this is worth getting into. I think like somehow it's not free will, but somehow I could work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I could try to build more stamina and like work toward, um, I don't know, like find hobbies that are maybe a bit less time consuming, but still refresh me a bunch. Um, But I don't believe that that would be free. And so maybe that's all that matters. Yeah, and it might be worth getting into the, there's like a lot of confusion in this topic around the first and third person distinction. So it's like, it makes sense for me to talk about you in the third person and say that Louisa Mm -hmm. could, whatever, if I thought it was the right thing to do, I didn't, but it could (laughs) could develop the habits to work more hours. Mm -hmm. Um, That makes perfect sense. From the first person perspective to be like, I could do that. I really could. I really could make this decision and I'm going to do it now. This mm-hmm. is the illusion. This is the thing that, that doesn't work. This is the thing that makes no sense. It is not the case that we could simply choose to be harder working. It's not the case on any day that you could mm-hmm. wake up and have this free choice that I am going to work more hours today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are going to work exactly as many hours <laughs> as is dictated by physics, mm-hmm. right? It's just like whatever the state of your brain is on that day and the, the environment you're in, that's going to dictate it. And yeah. there's no room. There's nothing else in the brain that gives room for you to like override this in any way. Right. Um, I do believe that um, just because I haven't thought of it, about it very much and I don't think I have kind of integrated this other thing into my views on free will. How do you, what does it mean for this, like it to make sense for in the third person, Louisa to in theory be able to work on working more? It just means that, um, so for example, like we're having this conversation and I am hoping to influence you towards having less guilt. And Uh if that works, then I don't know, a week from now, maybe you report having less guilt over the last Mm -hmm. week. And it makes total sense to be saying like, Louisa, successfully, uh, you know, reduced her guilt. She did so good. Um, That makes total sense. That's like totally coherent. But in the first person, whether you do this or not, it's going to be a total mystery. Um, Mm -hmm. This is either going to happen or it isn't, right? So it's like there is this high level thing that's going on here where it's like all of this stuff could have just like landed for you when you were preparing for this interview. And you'd have been like, oh, it all makes sense to me. I no longer feel guilty, right? That was like a mm-hmm. possibility. Another possibility is like during this conversation, it lands for you. Maybe like tomorrow when you're thinking about it. And maybe never, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And all of these things will just be a total mystery. It's like, well, why did that happen or not? I don't know. It's yeah. just like your brain in that moment interacted with mine and, and it worked out that way. But it's still like a good thing for the universe mm-hmm. uh, for you to have experienced less guilt. Yeah. I'm really trying to wrap my head around the f- beliefs that feel still intention to me, uh, that there are things that could happen that would mean I worked more hours, that I worked harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
maybe it's like I read more books that like uh, talk about global problems uh, and suffering in the world. And I was more motivated to work on alleviating that suffering. Um, or there are things that could cause me to work less like, um, yeah, I don't know. I learned that. Like this conversation? Possibly. <laughs> or I learned that uh, global problems aren't as tractable. And so I'm like, it's not worth mm-hmm. it. There's, it's not, there's no point. Right. Um, and I guess your argument is just like all of those things like me choosing to read books are also outside of my control. All of them are outside of your control. Yeah, all of it. It is tumors all the way down. Yeah, it's all just a long... Everything, yeah. every single thing, every single choice that you take. And I'm just along for the ride. Yes. Cool. Okay, yep. <laughs> yeah, so I'm with you. Uh, I could not uh, just right now be like, this is the turning point. This is where I step in and start working more hours. Mm-hmm. despite nothing having changed in mm-hmm. my environment. And is, is it also worth, so there's like two things here. Like one is like, just like taking this at face value of like, this would be a good thing to work more hours. And the other thing is like me pushing back on whether right. this would even be good. Because I know that you're worried, right? I know that you're, you think that um, if you totally bought my views, mm-hmm. um, maybe you would work fewer hours. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yes, I guess. uh even if I bought that I could feel less guilt, I'd feel worried about it having an impact on my career and also just like being a good person who like makes plans with my friends. It doesn't cancel and like is considerate of my partner, um, doesn't do things that harm him. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what happens if I feel guilt less intensely. I don't know if I cause more harm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I have a bunch of thoughts about this on like different areas. Um, yeah. so if we just take them like one by one, so if you take on the working more hours thing, uh, I think that it is like really up in the air, whether guilt induced extra hours are actually positive for the world. My guess mm. is that they're probably not. You have any two things. Any guilt induced go- hour? Uh, I mean, obviously any guilt I'm taking, like, you know, if you can say you get all of the guilt induced hours you get now, or you get none of them. That's like the easier case to like argue for. Um, okay. Rather than like the marginal one, I guess. Right. Um, but if you, yeah, if you like work the number of hours that you think you like quote should, then what's going to happen to me? I, I'm going to say like, well, you're one much more likely to burn out mm-hmm. um, and then be less likely to work, you know, to try and do good for the rest of your career. So that could just like straightforwardly be a mistake. Um, yeah. The other thing is that other people are going to see you be like really intense and yeah. almost burning out. And it's going to seem like very unappealing and they are not going to want to follow you in your footsteps. Right. Um, if we knew all the facts about the world and found out that me working one extra hour was mm-hmm. net positive, um, right. even though it was guilt driven, would you, right. it's not even that, ma- well, no, it is, I guess it's a bit material. If like, an objection I have to even pursuing this as an endeavor mm-hmm. is like, what if it causes more harm? Um, if there was empirically, we knew that me feeling less guilt about this was going to actually be bad. What would you, mm-hmm. what would you say? Right. So to me, this feels a little like if you said to me, empirically, we know that if you or I believe in the God of the old Testament, the world will be a better place. You say that to right. me and we're like, Oh, you can just like prove it. For, and, right. then, and then you say to me, you say, therefore, <laughs> we should believe right. it. And I say to you, like, what are you talking about? 
even though I, I agree with you, I'm like, yeah, it would be a better world. I like totally agree with your numbers. Right. I just can't choose to do that. And so right. there's like sort of this strange thing that comes up in these conversations sometimes where it's like, yeah, but like, wouldn't it be good if we felt like 20% more guilt than you or something? And I'm like, yeah, that's not in your control. There's no button for mm-hmm. this. Like it just, it's very confusing to me. Like why anyone would think that they can like turn this on and off or anything. It's just like, either you like buy my arguments and then you're going to see through all of it or you don't. And then hmm. you're probably going to be feeling too much guilt. I really, I really like think this, uh, this like an extra illusion, this idea of like, I'm going to like fine tune, like perfect amount of guilt. <laughs> my guilt toggles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, right. Okay. I guess. So the thing that I, I think it's useful for me to hear though, that if we did just empirically know that the God from the old Testament, uh, made right. the world a better place, you'd be like, uh, huh fine yeah that's sure. a shame but like i guess yeah. that's the god i'd choose uh uh-huh. cool then let's um <laughs> then i do think i am comfortable just being like cool let's assume we have the same views about how many hours i should be working let's mm-hmm. assume that like it's actually not better for the world for me to uh work more hours out of guilt uh and that in the long run it's just like worse for the world and mm-hmm. that it's actually just a good thing for me to reduce the guilt i feel about uh not working more that's what I think. Cool. I feel like there's a final step with with ours that's like, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it would be better for me to feel less guilt because like, yeah, we're making we're making this assumption that I do think is totally plausible and probably even likely that like me feeling less guilt about this would just be better in the long run. Yep. Um, and I believe that I'm just kind of along for the ride uh, yep. of like how much my my brain and body want to work. Mm-hmm. Um then what would it be like to, on the day-to-day, try to conjure those ideas up mm-hmm. when feeling guilty? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just trying to remember a time last week, for example. Yeah, there was a day when I felt stressed and sad. And so I could tell I was getting really distracted when trying mm-hmm. to work and that it wasn't working and that I should go for a walk instead but like felt a bit guilty about that walk because um, it was in the middle of a work day and uh, probably people would have expected me to be at my computer. I guess that's kind of an easy case because like upon reflection, I just like really think it was just good for me to take the walk. Yeah. Um, If it gets a bit more ambiguous and I'm just like, I really want to go for a walk, Um, Mm -hmm. which sometimes happens. Uh, If it's like a really gorgeous day, I live in Oxford. And so if it's good weather, I'm like really drawn to it. So like with a lot of these ones, to me, whenever you, yeah, whenever you talk about stuff like this, I think what you are feeling guilty about is not being a different person. That's what you're saying. You're saying, you're saying I should be a different person. Yeah. I think that makes about as much sense as me saying, I wish I was really tall and amazing at basketball because then I could join the NBA and I would make millions of people happy and they would watch me and they would buy my jerseys you know, we both agree that is like ludicrous. That's what, what it like reads to me when you're saying like, I wish I was the type of person who didn't want to go for walks during the day. Yeah. I'm like, but you are like, right. And, and and I also like independently think that that's like a totally fine and good and healthy and thing good. to do. Sure. But even if it wasn't, it's like, okay, well, that's the world we're in. We're in the world where you like to take walks. Okay. Like what is, yeah. what is there to feel shame about? I mean, it's it's just, that's just who you are. Yeah, you can't, you can't is, do anything about this it. This is and... getting to our to the daylight between us. So, yeah. yeah, and I think we did get in the direction of like 
will I endorse this or won't I upon reflection? But I feel enormous grief about the things that I am not in a way that you don't. And and in a way that I guess, like, for the most part, I don't think is adding anything to my life. It's just Mm. taking it away. It's not making things better. Um, But like, I feel grief that I'm not smarter. I feel grief that I'm not more curious. I feel grief that I don't work harder. And so I guess often on the day-to-day, it feels like guilt. But even if I look through, if I look through this lens and I'm like, but you can't have done otherwise, then I'm just like, ugh, that's so disappointing. I'm the kind of person who like has my features. Right. And they're unchangeable. Yeah. So there's two things that, that I think of here. One is asking you, do you ever feel joyful and appreciative of the fact that you are very smart and very curious and very hardworking, even if you think you could be even smarter and even more curious and even more hardworking? Do you ever like, or that's like off the table? Um, do I feel appreciative of those things? Doesn't really come up. No. no. No, okay. So you, I mean, the world we're in is one where you are like at least nine out of 10 on all of these things, right? And yeah, it's like you like very, you feel like grief even for not being a 10 in these things. Let's say you're a nine. If you just grant me, you're a nine. Um, and, And that you're not a 10. And I would just say like, well, you're like in the body of someone who has a nine all of these things. And you're also someone who values these things. Like that seems pretty great. Um, but yeah, you just like, you can't go to a 10, you can't go to an eight, you're a nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not possible to change, but it's also not a shame. Like there's no mm-hmm. like problem to this. Like there are some things about most people's lives that really are a shame where you're like, I don't know, you have like chronic knee pain or something. You're like, oh, that sucks. That's really bad. Um, yeah. but you don't feel the same thing, right? Like if you had chronic knee pain, you wouldn't feel this like shame of like, oh, why don't I have good knees? Like, why right. aren't my knees perfect? Why don't I have 10 out of but 10 But I would knees? feel grief. I would feel sad. I would feel loss. I would but feel... not shame. Not shame no. or, or like associated guilt. Like, like you know, because you, you're saying like, whatever, I wish I was harder working and then I feel guilty for not working harder. But mm-hmm. it, it comes back to this, like, I, I feel bad for not being a different person. Yeah, but I think, and I think I'm actually able to make that move with you but then what I'm left with is the sadness. And mm. and that also feels bad. Um, okay. So so I feel like there's like actually another move we have to make before yep. Louisa just feels a bunch less pain. To- totally. So here's my next attempt. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. So I, and I, I don't know if you like endorse this. I think that the important thing is just like good being done in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just like, that's the thing that ultimately matters. And I am like truly like indifferent between you or I doing yeah. good, right? If I did like one unit of good and you did 99 units of good or it was 50-50, it's like whatever. It's just like good being done in yep. the universe. I'd be like happy either way. Like it wouldn't right. matter to me. And it seems like you wouldn't be happy that way. Um, yeah. And, in part, and, which, and one, yeah, one, si- one side of this, <laughs> right, you feel shame about. But like one thing is like, you don't hold like you don't hold me to these standards, right? Like no. of like me not working hard enough. Like it's no. all, yeah. <laughs> so it's all it's all just internal. Um, yeah. Which yeah, I, I understand. So I'm like risking like causing more shame here by you being like, oh, why am I so egotistical? 
Um, and then I want to say like, oh, but you couldn't do otherwise. You really, <laughs> you really literally couldn't do otherwise. It's not like you could sort of do otherwise. It's you could not do otherwise. Like you're you, I'm me. We will do exactly as much good as we're going to do. We're just along for the ride. Hopefully it's good for the sake of the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's just nothing you're going to do. You can do. I guess this is like related to some of your other worries where you were thinking that you might donate less money, right? That was like one mm-hmm. thing that you were worried about where you were yeah. like, I If I feel, feel less guilt. Yeah, if I feel less guilt, I'm going to donate a bunch less money. Um, or like be like generally a worse person, right? So I wanted to say like maybe it would be helpful for you to hear that like I had the exact opposite experience with my mm. life having internalized these views, right? Like I... Uh, was a professional online poker player for years, for like eight years, which I was like doing no good at all. Like initially I wasn't even donating any money. Then I started to have these views and then I started donating like a little bit of money. Um, but like very gradually as pretty like aligned actually, as my views here got more and more solid, it then became much more important to me to do good with my career. And so I quit being a poker player and then went off, you know, went back to school, um, you know, did my best to like try and do good. Um, and why did it become more important to you? I can say that the like the relationship here is that my views on this mean that I think that I am fundamentally lucky to be mm. in my life. And I mm-hmm. think everyone else in a worse situation is fundamentally unlucky, right? So I think that a child in sub-Saharan Africa who needs an insecticide-treated malarial bed net is just mm-hmm. really unlucky. And there's no yeah. reason, there's in, there, in no way is there a sense that I deserve to have like plenty of money and be comfortable mm-hmm. and have a roof over my head. And they don't. The difference between me and other people just kind of really like minimizes. And so that to me is an incentive for being like, oh, okay, like if I don't have these like really strong biases towards myself, it just seems like, yeah, I should like do my best to like help the universe. Mm. Um uh, and I think that, like, for a lot of people, like, they would become more altruistic that way um, and less selfish and less self-involved. And I don't think it's, yeah. like, this obvious thing if you, like, just internalized all this, that it's like, oh, I'll become, like, less altruistic. I'll donate less money. Because I would say to mm. you, why? You think it's good to donate money? Like, I think it's, like, it's a little bit, to me, like, I'm sure you, like, heard this, like, being a Richard Dawkins fan when you were younger. <laughs> but, like, this idea of sometimes in, like, religious debates, um, the person who's religious will, will say, like, well, if no one believed in God, like it would be mm-hmm. chaos. Like there would just be like everyone, like, or even I've heard, I've heard someone like a very prominent pastor before on one of these debates say like, if I didn't believe in God, I'd be like murdering in the street. Wow. Like, <laughs> and you're just like, ooh, what? That's like pretty yeah. crazy. And so I sort of feel a little bit like this when people say like, oh, but if I didn't have free will, like I'd be like a much worse person. And I'm like, well, first of all, you wouldn't be able to choose to be a worse person. Um mm-hmm. But I really doubt it. I just really doubt it. It's just like there's no, to me, there's like no good evidence that you would suddenly yeah. be like, I'm going to donate less money because why? Like, what's the thing? Yeah. Like, it's like you're like predicting, you're like assuming that it'll go in that direction. Um, and it could. Yeah. I'm not saying it couldn't. But I also think that like, you know, uh, I mean, take like Sam Harris as another example. He just mm-hmm. automates 10% of the money he makes just goes to effective charities. There's no like free will involved. So it's just like, that's like, why not? Like that just seems like the right thing to do. That's his brain zaps in to his consciousness. That's a good thing to do. And he does it. Yep. Doesn't think about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it is, it's not as philosophical, but maybe it is going to end up being a bit important to me to look at um, 
I don't know if you know much about it, but like evidence on motivation and evidence on guilt motivation versus other types of motivation and just like really actually get bought into uh, guilt is not uh, not as good a motivator as other things. Yeah. And I guess there's like, yeah, the series by Nate Suarez is coming to mind on like guilt and it's pretty, pretty great. I mean, I've had the experience of like, I feel like I should uh, do a bunch of things and then I like actually end up hating the idea of doing them because it's so oppressive to like mm-hmm. have to do those things. And um, and I've had the experience even with, yeah, I mean, donations where like I feel like I should donate. I feel a bit grumpy about that. And then I like lift the should. I'm like, okay, you don't have to. What would happen if you didn't have to? And then mm-hmm. another part of me then gets to actually come in and be like, no, we want to. We want to because it's good. And yeah, I mean, that is just some a little bit of like personal lived experience that I should remind myself of more. That like when I lift the should, which is that very guilt driven mm-hmm. uh, part of me, uh, what's what like I leave room for is this very good part of me that's like, no, I know we don't have to, but we want to because it's valuable. Yeah, but it's a good thing. Yeah, I, I just I would be almost shocked if you were like, oh, I don't care about that anymore. Right. I don't care about anything. Like, yeah. okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually, another experience I've had with this is you you started managing me a few months ago. And I was, we were talking about hours and you were like, I don't care when you work or how much you work. I know uh-huh. you want to make these podcasts so you yeah. will, you'll do them. If you don't want to make them, we'll have another conversation. But uh-huh. like, I don't care that you, when you do or don't spend another 20 minutes uh, no. trying to do a bit more work. Because like, we both want to do this thing very intrinsically. Yeah, we're on the same team. Yeah. Like, and you're, yeah. And you're just like, you were totally right. And it was, was very liberating to me. So yeah. yeah. Um, and you might end up working yeah. more hours, actually, incidentally, with all this because right. you just I feel more motivated. You feel happier. You feel less stressed, less anxious. You don't. It's not oppressive to be like, oh, I'm gonna mm, work like another two hours. Have to work. You don't have to work. You can if you want to. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's one. Um, I guess like another one cool. I wanted to touch on was like mm-hmm. being a worse friend you're worried about. Um, do you want to like give an example of what you're worried about there? Yeah. I mean, a super small one is like I sometimes make plans then when it gets closer to the plan i really want to cancel uh-huh. uh for just a bunch of reasons that often don't have to do with the person that are just about like my energy levels and like how social i actually am uh-huh. and then i think i often don't cancel out of guilt uh and go and like actually often i even am happy i went though like uh-huh. That's true often in specific instances, but maybe I'm not happy that I always force myself to go to things because I do get very um, socially burnt out. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so something, something, if I took away that guilt, I'd probably be a much flakier friend. Okay, great. Uh, Well, not great, but I'm (laughs) going to give you my thoughts. (laughs) Great. Okay. So, yeah, I have a bunch of thoughts here. One thing is that if your friends knew that you were going to dinner, even though you didn't want to, you didn't have the energy for it. You didn't feel like it, but you were coming out of guilt. Do you think they would be happy about that? Like, would they be psyched or would they like me be kind of horrified that <laughs> really you didn't want to be there at all? And that you're only, it's just this like guilt driven thing. Like 
Because to me, uh, having like a stronger friendship, and I hope that we have this, is you being able to say like, I just feel tired. I don't, I don't want to go to the dinner with you. And I'd be like, oh, 100% fine. Um, and so I, I kind of just like dispute like that it's being a better friend. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think it, I, I don't think it is. I think that like, yeah, you would build, you would build like stronger friendships being able to just be open and be like, eh, I'm tired. Coming back to the topic of the whole conversation, I don't think you can choose. <laughs> I don't think you can choose to be like not feel like going. And I don't think yep. you can ultimately be responsible for whether you go or not. But I just don't think, even if there was free will, I don't think that this is should be like a source of shame for you. And I don't yeah. think it means in any way you're a bad friend. Hmm. Yeah, let's see. This one I think is coming back again to like which are helpful motivations and empirically probably guilt is not the most helpful motivation like probably the thing I actually endorse here is like I take away the should um where the should is guilt driven Mm -hmm. and I see what's left and if it wants to go great and often I think that actually would be true Mm -hmm. and it's a shame that like guilt is the thing that usually ends up forcing me to go because then I feel exhausted by the yeah. fact that I had to go in this way that felt, uh, just felt negative, like mm-hmm. dragging myself there. Um, yeah. but yeah, either I lift, I lift away this like oppressive, I feel guilty and I should go. And like, I want to go or I don't. And like, I learned that about myself over time and make fewer commitments that I, that I can't keep. Um, right. yeah. And those both do seem that, I mean, that seems good to me. And like not being a bad friend, but like, let's say like occasionally I do make a plan Mm -hmm. that like I've misjudged whether I want to go and it turns out I don't want to go and I feel guilt about not wanting to go or I feel guilt about canceling. Yeah. Does it sink in that I could not have done otherwise and that that's helpful? Like, did you, did you at any point on that day wake up and be like, you know what? And I've got a thing on today. I feel like going right now, but I'm going to choose to not feel that way later. I'm going to turn this switch. And there we go. I don't, oh, now I don't feel like going anymore. Yeah. It's not a thing. Yeah, I guess, again, like, no, but I feel sad that in practice, mm-hmm. it's sad for my, sad for the friend who I'm canceling on. But sadness is very different than guilt. And it's less corrosive. So like if we could like move your guilt to always be sadness, I mean, not depression, Mm -hmm. but if it was just like, I'm sad for that friend. They want to do this thing. They don't get to now. That's a bit sad. Um, That feels like progress to me. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Does that feel right? Unless it's like intense (sighs) sadness, but if you're just like a bit, like a little bit sad for them or something. Yeah. I think in the case of the friendship, it is just a bit sad. In the case of work guilt, it's a deeper sadness because I can access the like, like this in theory could be much more harmful than like canceling on a single person. Um, mm. If like, especially if my job were really directly connected to um, to doing good. Like if I were distributing malaria bed nets and on a given day I was like, nah, don't want to today. Mm-hmm. That was, and it was like a hundred bed nets fewer distributed. Um, 
it would feel like a pretty big sadness to me that I couldn't do more good. But doesn't it still feel like this is very short term? I mean, we're like getting off track from like the free will stuff at all. But like, doesn't this, this feel like quite short term where it's like you're, the sadness that you're going to feel at this, like versus me, right? Like you can keep coming back to me in this example where like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like missed a day of work. I didn't donate as many bed nets. I feel nothing. I feel no guilt. I go back to work the next day. I keep doing it for the next mm-hmm. 40 years versus the person who feels an enormous amount of guilt and just presumably can't work for as long as I do. It's just probably not sustainable. Yeah. And so you'll end up yeah. delivering less bed nets. And yep. so all of these, like it, all of like the worry about like the consequences here, uh, I'm not even yeah. convinced it's it's sort of correct. I mean, I, again, I think it's again, like you can't choose to buy my arguments or anything, either this is going to land or it's not. Right. But <laughs> the worries I think are unfounded or like, it's like at least very un- unclear. And like, yeah, like maybe that's like maybe a useful tool as well. Is thinking I about, think it is. I think it is for me. Well, also thinking about, um, again, not to make this all about me, but um, think about me for the, some of these like worries where you're like, I worry I wouldn't be as good a friend and be like, do you think that I'm like not as good a friend because I don't have these experiences of like shame and guilt? Like, is there, or if can you yeah. think of like cases where I've like, I don't know, I've like let you down when, when I wouldn't have otherwise. It's like, I don't, I don't think I'm doing that. Yeah, no, I mean, that's true. I mean, just in practice, we're super compatible. So I don't often feel like let down by you mm-hmm. or like you've you've done something wrong. In preparing, we thought we might talk about pride yeah. and how um, when you don't believe that you're responsible for your choices, mm-hmm. uh, it's harder to feel really proud of your achievements. Mm-hmm. And And we've talked about how like I'd feel better in a world where I did a bunch of good and more good than you, uh-huh. <laughs> even if the same amount of good was done uh, in another world where you did a bunch more good than me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there is something that really is more core to your argument going on where it would be valuable for me to internalize more of like, I am just as lucky as I am in my traits and as unlucky yeah. as I am in my traits. And all of them are completely out of my control but and then I think the thing I need is just acceptance. Yeah. It's like acceptance of my traits exactly as they are because there's nothing I can do. Nothing you can do. Yeah. But then what do you do with pride? Like do you f- not I don't do you not feel proud uh I don't know of your of your work on the podcast or of just the general fact that you're trying to do good in the world? Um is that something you've you've lost or given up and would is that what i'd be would i be giving that up would i be losing that so it is like totally true that everything i'm saying about free will and guilt and shame and anger and hatred it all does mean that when applied to myself i can't think that i am like truly responsible for anything good i do and so it is actually true that i don't have the subjective experience of pride like other people do that is true that like Mm. fell away and i used to have that like anyone else do you miss it no, I don't miss it at all. Because I'll, I'll tell you what really? I'll, I'll tell you what it's like. I mean, people do think that this is like okay. people think that this is like really sad and like something that they would really miss, and it's a real problem. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, so you know that I wrote a pilot to a TV show, shared it with a bunch of people, um, happened to get good feedback. Um, but basically, like when I write this thing and I share it with people, um, mm-hmm. someone else might have the experience of if they get positive feedback they would feel really proud of writing this thing. Like they created this thing and I feel really proud about that and it's amazing. My experience is kind of like playing a slot machine where I write this thing and I share it with people and basically 
Winning the jackpot is finding out that I'm in a world where I'm like Vince Gilligan, who created Breaking Bad. I'm like as good a writer as he is, Uh and everyone loves it so much that they just insist I have to drop everything and just like make this thing. Like that is like a world that I would love to be in. Mm -hmm. But I'm just like, I'm just like along for the ride where I'm just like waiting to find out if that's true. Like if I win the jackpot, that's true. If I lose, then everyone hates it, right? And like everywhere Mm -hmm. in between. But I just watch and see and just be like, oh, like, does anyone like it? And then I find out, I'm like, in this case, like, a lot of people liked it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Um, It's, like, nicer to live in a world where people liked that thing I wrote than not. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is no deep sense of, like, satisfaction. Because, again, I, like, I can't get away from this thing of, like, yeah, but, you know, if I'm a, you know, if I'm a decent writer or not, like, can't choose it either way. I can't tell this story where I can go back far enough where I'm like, Yes, I am a good writer because I put a bunch of work into it in 2013 and and I definitely chose to do that. But I don't find it depressing at all. Yeah, I just there's, there's nothing I miss about it. It's just totally fine. It's just like it's just finding out which world you're in for these things. It's Yeah. I guess there's there's like it's interesting. As much as I'm motivated by guilt, I'm also extremely motivated by praise. Mm. And so yeah, I might just be a particularly tricky case for this because um, like I talk about having a, an addiction to praise mm. and the idea of having to um, wean myself off of it because like, yeah, the good things I do aren't attributable to me in some meaningful sense beyond just like I was along for the ride as my body did those things mm-hmm. uh, purely out of luck. Uh, the idea of taking that away is like... I'm like, oh, that sounds like withdrawal. I don't want that. Right. I mean, yeah, if it's an addiction. I like all my praise. If it's an addiction, then yeah, maybe it's better to break that. Uh, Like with most addictions. Mm. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's not good for you. Because of course, like, you know, obviously this has come up with you just starting to host podcasts where it's like, Mm -hmm. I think you're fantastic, but like maybe other people wouldn't. Like that's obviously possible. And there, you know, it's this very like much more than it would be for me. It's this sort of scary thing where it's like you put these episodes out there and maybe people thought that you were, you know, you're good, you're bad. If they think you're bad, like this is going to be like really hard for you in a way that for me, it's just like I'm just finding out what world I'm in. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And it's still a shame, right? You can still like be kind of saddened by something and be like, oh, I like kind of wish that I'd found myself in the world where I was like really good at that. Right. Um, but just nothing cuts that deep, you know? Well, yeah, well, so I feel surprised and I still feel like this is the distance between us that you're not sadder that you're not in that other world Mm. because like, yeah, the like joy I feel when I'm good at things and the sadness I feel when I'm not doesn't feel that tied to like, because I made amazing choices. It feels more tied. Yeah. I mean, I think because I'm already somewhat bought in. It feels kind of tied to just like uh, who I am, which like I do think is pretty uh, is pretty physicsy. I am yeah. who I am because uh-huh. my brain does the things. But when my brain doesn't do the things I want, uh, if my brain weren't good at podcasting, mm-hmm. um, that would feel devastating. And I'm kind and like it's not that I think. I literally could have done things differently such mm-hmm. that uh, I would have been a better podcast host. It's that like, I really want yeah. to be 
in the body of someone who's a great podcast host. That'd yep. be really which, nice. Which that makes and sense. I'm, that makes sense to me. Um, I think if you internalize all this stuff, the thing you would lose is like the sense of shame, right? Because mm-hmm. if you, whatever, you know, release episodes in the world and, you know, we ask for feedback on these things and, you know, I don't know, everyone thought, you know, the average right. thing was like six out of 10 or something. And it is this like, shame that you like weren't better it's guilt that you were like i don't know wasting people's time or like you know doing this job when someone else probably mostly shame it's shame yeah Yeah. so it's like that i think you would lose right so it's like you can still feel sad about the fact that you're in a world where you weren't good at this thing that would have been nice to experience um yeah but yeah just like you take the shame away so it's the same thing about like you know you get a lottery ticket and like did you win or not no i didn't win all right it's no shame to Mm -hmm. it Maybe it's a shame. Maybe you feel shame for buying the lottery ticket. Um, <laughs> but I mean, the other thing is like, yeah. I mean, maybe it's just like I would like want you to, I don't know. Maybe like not have so much of your joy like tied up in these in these yeah. things that that you can't control. You should just like experience joy in like the people you love, and just like um, you can oh, like I see. you can like reliably you can like reliably just like spend your time doing things that are joyful and like not these like big like high stakes things like you know being good at this job yeah i guess that just makes me wonder kind of what are the implications for love given that you know i feel like i love my partner because he's in control of his actions and chooses to do things that are sweet and kind and funny and uh yeah i guess um does this feel like it's affected the extent to which or the way that you feel love if you don't really feel like your partner is kind of acting as an agent doing things that contribute to you loving them this has come up before um in conversations like this where people think that like well if i don't experience pride like can you experience love mm-hmm. and it always kind of baffles me um and so i can tell you in my personal experience uh, i think as you know uh i feel love very deeply um yeah. I, I don't know because, you know, people don't talk about this, you know, very openly. But, like, I wouldn't be shocked if I've never met, like, a husband who, like, feels love for their wife more deeply than I do. Mm. And I just don't get the thing where it's, like, the reason I would love my wife is because she's, like, free to take certain actions, you know? Like, mm. I don't need her to be ultimately in control of her kindness mm-hmm or her sense of humor, like any more than I need to her to be like ultimately in control of, you know, like her cute button nose. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like a thing that she has. Um, yeah. And I think it's like one easy way to make this clear is to think about like how parents love their kids, right? Where it's like, they don't love their babies because like, they're like, well, here's all the things they do. And if they didn't do these things, I wouldn't love them. That's yeah. not true. Um, so I find it strange that people think this way about their, or seem to think this way about their partners, that it's like, yeah, they need to be ultimately the authors of all of the nice things they're doing or it's, it's, it's meaningless or something. Yeah. I just, I just don't, right. I just don't get it. Like I just, I just feel love so strongly and it never occurs to me that it's a problem. Yeah. In this case, I think maybe because it's much easier for me to internalize, like everyone around me is robots and that's fine. And and not not weird or an issue. Um, I think I I think I'm actually just completely on board there. Which is again, yeah, this interesting kind of inconsistency almost in my beliefs. And so it does make me think that like the work to be done here is just like 
And also, it's fine for me to be lucky enough to be liked by some people, yes. unlucky enough to be liked by others, lucky enough to do some work well, unlucky enough to not be able to do other work well. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the thing that feels missing is like acceptance of it, of that luck and unluck in my case. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it is. Yeah, the game is acceptance. Not everyone's going to like you. Yeah. Did you have to practice any of this? How did you, because it, maybe I have some narrative that you were like, I don't believe in free will. Now I no longer feel guilt or shame. Um, <laughs> it was more gradual than that. Or, um, yeah. I mean, it is practice, right? I mean, this is um, getting back a little bit to, to meditation, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, I am a big fan of, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, it is a practice. It is both recognizing what you're feeling and then being able to remind yourself to give like these little prompts. So I'll tell you what I feel. So if mm-hmm. I am feeling shame, so like, let's say like I release a podcast and it's got like an audio glitch in it. Um, in my bones, I'm like, oh, that's bad. I ask myself, could I have done otherwise? Could I have chosen to be a different person who wouldn't have made that mistake? And in the case when it's other people who have done things, like, you know, in the case of whether I'm mad at someone, um, mm-hmm whether I know them or not, could they have done otherwise? Could they have been a different person? And I literally ask myself mm-hmm. those questions, right? And I do, I do this all the time. So I, I, I will say like, could you have done otherwise to myself or could they have done otherwise? I will actually say this and it is just my way of just like cutting through it. So it's like, I don't know. Let's right. say like Rob does something annoying, right? We've all been there. And I'll be like, wait a second. I, I'm like quite good at this now being like, could Rob have done otherwise? No. Okay. It's just Rob being Rob. Like, mm-hmm. Uh, there's another like example that I can give, um, sure. where that like, that like maybe helps with this. If you were out hiking, uh, and you were mauled by a bear, you know, you're out hiking, you're mauled by a bear, um, and you just survive, you get in the hospital, but you have to be in the hospital for like six months. In that situation, you're like very unlikely to be mad at the bear. You're like, well, I was hiking, like it's sort of the bear's home. Like that's, you know, yeah. it's not the bear's fault. Different scenario, you're in a zoo where a bear's there and you're visiting the bear and you see that like there's a zookeeper that is like really clumsy and like doesn't seem to like be paying attention and they're like throwing a basketball against like a gate where like a lock is Mm -hmm. and you're like, that person should stop doing that thing. And they keep throwing it and the gate flies open eventually, the bear gets out, mauls you, again, you just survive, you're in hospital six months. In this scenario, you're still not mad at the bear, but you are probably really mad at the zookeeper. Because you're like, yeah. he should have done otherwise. He should have known better. The human really could have done otherwise. And yet for me, given all we talked about here, they are the same thing. Like we're both animals, both biological machines. The clumsy zookeeper is just the bear in the scenario. And so for me, in this little example, Rob said something wrong in a more extreme example. Someone's like really wronged me. Um, I basically just say to myself, like, eh, they're just a bear. Like, or, right. or even more extreme than that, you can say like, if one of your loved ones was hurt by a person, you would feel real, you know, potentially like real anger towards that person who hurt them. If they are hurt in a hurricane, you don't feel mad at the hurricane. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, again, it's just like, there's no like super important difference here. My experience going through life is just like, everyone is just a bear and hurricane, including me. And there's just no point to getting mad at them i think i am there i'm just more upset that there was a hurricane and more upset that there was a bear yeah and but that and feels okay feels like like that feels like so much better to mm-hmm. me than guilt and shame to just feel sad interesting about that. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so maybe it's like there are two steps for me. One step is just like getting myself in the mindset where I remember people are bears, mm-hmm. um, which like is really easy for me to access once I think about it, but probably still isn't the um, natural place I go, even yep. when it's like in line with my beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, thing that feels even harder is the next step, which is like, uh, yeah, it feels kind of like related to the the stoic mantra of like, feel things about what you can control mm. uh, and like change what you can control and don't feel things about things you can't control. Don't worry about them. They like are out of your control and it's adding nothing. Mm-hmm. And like in this worldview that you have and that I basically have, yep. you can't control anything. Uh-huh. Um, so like literally don't feel sadness about the things well, that are bad. Will, because, but you will like, still feel you, sadness. Mm-hmm. Like you will, like you still, again, it's like, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not actually like a weird robot. Like I feel sad and I feel upset <laughs> right? and you know, I get emotional about things as you've seen, like I get upset about things. Mm-hmm. It's just that you under this worldview, or if you internalize this, you get to turn off the more corrosive version of this, which is the mm. guilt, which is the shame, which is the hatred. Right. If you just like turn these off. Yeah. I just really don't think at least that you're going to predictably end up worse off. I think it's just like there are obviously there are huge benefits to this, especially for yeah, someone like you who who feels these things intensely. Um, yeah, and yeah, I just think it's like at least like ambiguous on the cases where you're like, yeah, but this would be like bad for the world, or this would be bad for me, right. or I would feel worse. It's like I don't know, I don't know about that. And I think like overall, my guess is that it is like better an expectation to switch off your guilt but you know again we can't choose <laughs> we can't choose whether or not this conversation is going to land for you right 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 yeah i mean i think i think some some parts definitely have um and it does feel now to me like the biggest hurdle is like reminding myself of the arguments at the right times mm-hmm. such that they like actually pop into my brain um when when it would be helpful for them to yes yeah, um, but yeah it sounds like meditation mantras um and all of that is kind of yeah it's kind of habit building yeah um yeah if i were in therapy i'd set myself some some things to practice homework yeah exactly mm-hmm. um yeah what 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 would you what would you think i should should practice how do you think i should i think it'll be a lot easier for you to do this initially for other people. And so Hmm. the next time you find yourself being angry with someone, to try and ask yourself, could they have done otherwise? And really sit with it. Think about it. If you're struggling with it, um, to try and pinpoint when they could have done that. Um, Because, you know, they didn't choose when to be born. They didn't choose where to be born. They didn't choose their parents. They didn't choose their genes. They didn't choose to have that childhood. They didn't choose to do anything that led them to be the person on this day when they did that thing that made you angry at them. Yeah. You know? like all Can of we it try is just... it real quick? Sure, absolutely. Okay, so I've got someone. I feel angry at them. Uh-huh. I'm feeling it now. Yeah. I won't, yeah, I won't say any more about it, um, but... When I, yeah, so I guess I pretty quickly can be like, they couldn't have done otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that's because, yeah, they did this thing that was hurtful to me. I think probably it's because of their genes and their upbringing. 
And I can even feel like some compassion for them because it wasn't a nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, and like, it's not great to be a person who can't help but do things that are cruel. Mm-hmm. I still feel like, yeah, it's interesting. It's even still anger. I feel angry that I'm in this world where I got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but are you angry? I don't feel angry at them. Yes, exactly. So that's the shift I'd want you to do too. So it's like, because I feel that too. Like I feel angry sometimes mm-hmm. about the world, but it is a very right. different experience to be angry at the universe rather than angry at this specific person. Hmm. And so, yeah, it like sucks to be in a world where this person hurt you. Like that really sucks. And it makes sense to be upset about finding yourself in that world. But the really corrosive thing is holding on to this like anger or even hatred towards this person. Hmm. Maybe, maybe one way of thinking about this that I find fun. Okay. If we had, if we had total information, we might figure out that this person you're talking about, um, they have a condition, a mm-hmm. neurological condition called jerk syndrome. Okay. They have yep. this and it sucks to have jerk syndrome. Like it's just like a problem. It's just like, it, you know, it affects millions of Americans. It's like this horrible thing. And you say to me like, but they were a jerk. They really were a jerk. And I say, yeah, I know they have mm-hmm. jerk syndrome, right? They have jerk syndrome. Yeah. And you go, yeah, but they shouldn't have been a jerk. And I go, yeah, but they've got the syndrome. And you go, oh, okay. And then I say to you, hey, turns out they've got a pill to cure jerk syndrome. Yeah. So let's so if we give them that pill and they no longer are a jerk anymore and they're like completely apologetic for what they've done to you, um yeah. would you still be mad at them? And I'm, the thing I'm trying to get at is saying like you are yeah. you're no, mad at I this wouldn't. person for their biology, for like just the lottery mm-hmm. of their biology. Like that's the thing you're mad at. Um yeah. and obviously when you get into this it feels like that's like untenable. Um Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of um, another thing I do pretty naturally is like, and it's very similar to the tumor thing. I'm much less likely to ever feel angry or frustration or even disappointed with someone when they have mental health issues. Yeah. Um, And so if it's like, uh, yeah, the person canceled on me because they're struggling with depression and they, I'm just like, oh yeah, completely forgive. Like, no, they couldn't. They couldn't have come because their brain chemistry makes it impossible for them to leave the house most mm-hmm. times. Um, that feels fine. I mean, yeah, it just feels actually totally fine. Mm-hmm. And I do, I mean, it's just kind of funny that we really need a label for, like, I need the thing called jerk syndrome. Yeah, but but, um, but maybe you should think of it this way. Like, actually, yeah, maybe you should literally right. be like, oh, they've got, like, I mean, you you could try this. Maybe you should actually say when someone's when someone's a jerk, just be like, oh, they've got jerk syndrome. That sucks for them. Yeah. Because, again, you were totally right. Like, it would suck to have jerk syndrome. Like, that is not their best <laughs> life. Like, if you woke up tomorrow yeah. with jerk syndrome and you were just mean to people or, were, like, doing these really thoughtless things... That would be sad. That would be sad, right? And like, actually, yeah. uh, again, turning it back on being feeling fortunate, like we, I think, don't currently have jerk syndrome. We're fortunate mm-hmm. for that. We're lucky and this person's unlucky. Right. And, you know, we could easily have been in their shoes. There's no, there's no sense in which like they deserve to have our anger and we deserve like praise for not having it. It's just like, that's just the luck of the draw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have another helpful... Um, and maybe this is a thing I can use more to, uh, yeah, like as a way to apply this to like my own case, um, or to like point it inwards. Um, 
the experience of going on antidepressants for me was like such night and day. Um, uh, like my experience was night and day. It was like flipping a switch. Mm-hmm. And I guess that might be another helpful thing to remember when, I mean, in a way it's like, it's not a pill for jerk syndrome, but it's a pill for, it's a pill for sad syndrome. Right. And yeah, when I feel disappointed that like, I'm too anxious to go to a bunch of social events mm-hmm. and I wish I were the kind of person that, uh, that was less anxious. Yeah. Um, something like, it'd be nice if we had a pill for that. Yeah. We don't, we don't yet. Yeah. I mean, I mean, having this, I mean, you know, as this whole thing is trying to get you to feel the same way about yourself as you do for others, but I'm talking about like feeling compassion for the jerks of the world, but the compassion for yourself too, of being like, I feel anxious about going to this party, say, and that's a shame because that's making my life Mm -hmm. worse. I didn't choose to have the anxiety uh, I didn't choose to be the kind of person who would like care about missing parties. But again, like I don't have, I don't have it like in my head that like the better person would be the one who goes to the party. Right. But again, that's just like total luck, right? It's like, why do I think that way? And why do you not? Right. It's like, mm. I, I didn't, I didn't choose. Like, why do I think that now? I don't know. Why do you not think that? We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Th- this is just, um, yeah, it's just all luck. You know, it, it doesn't give us the basis to feel shame or guilt or anger. This is just the world we're in. Yep. Cool. So I have this homework thing <laughs> where I'm going to um, try to notice when people or I couldn't have done otherwise. Yeah. And then I think I want a piece of the homework that helps me cope with the pain of knowing that I and others couldn't have done otherwise. Well, I think, yeah, the, the thing that comes to mind is pushing on this thing of it not really mattering if Louisa is the one who is like, right. who is like doing the most good or is like the mm-hmm. best friend or is like the smartest person, the most creative, like, and that actually, again, this reminder of, well, maybe just like being more in touch with, with the reality that we're in is that like, you are, you happen to find yourself in this like very smart, very creative, very hardworking body like to ask more than that almost seems like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like again, yeah, like hash, hashtag free will, but it does feel like very ungrateful to like want to go from like, you know, nine and a half to 10. I mean, it sounds like gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I have tried gratitude before, but not at all with this framing. And I can't imagine this framing working better for me. I think when I've tried gratitude, I've been like, yeah, I'm grateful that my partner loves me. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that I have a nice, yeah, I live in a nice house and I live in a nice town. Um, I haven't done much. I'm grateful for the ways I lucked out in my biology. Yeah, I mean, that's all true. And I, and to give you like a more uh, ambitious case, next time <laughs> that you you've, you said that you'll go to a party, let's say, and then on the day of it, you really don't want to go. Just like not feeling energetic, just like kind of dreading it. Yeah. If you can just not go and not feel bad about it, mm-hmm. try and feel grateful for the fact that you've like tapped into this to be like, oh, I get to stay home and do what I want to do. I get to do that. That's a thing I can be grateful yeah. of. But also I am grateful that I'm not feeling guilty about this, that I'm not feeling shame, right? Like have this like positive feedback loop 
um, of it being a positive experience, which is what, how I would experience it, rather yeah. than a negative, rather than being like, oh, right. it's like a horrible thing that happened, being like, doesn't that have to be horrible? And, and I like very sincerely, if I was there with you, I'd be like, no, this is great. What? You get to like stay home. Like, amazing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And the more you do that, the, the less horrible like this will feel. So just be like, oh, yeah. I'm just now through no free will, but I am now the kind of person who gets to follow my own preferences more commonly. Yep. That feels great. Yep. Cool. I think I should try those things. Great. Uh, and I do, I feel, I feel significantly closer to your position. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, I think there's still a gap in like how often I will have the right ideas come up in my head about this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably won't actually feel less guilt immediately. I think probably unless I work on it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I feel bought into the set of beliefs uh, that would get me to, if I could really embody them in a moment, mm-hmm. uh, not feel as guilty or even just like disappointed uh, that I'm not a different person. Well, that's wonderful. And that <laughs> makes me feel good, even though Yay! I was not the ultimate author of any of it. It still feels good. If you're interested in more practical mental health advice, you could check out episode number 100 of the 80,000 Hours podcast, where I interview my colleague Howie on having a successful career with depression, anxiety, and imposter syndrome. You could also check out our latest episode over on the original feed, where Rob interviews Tim LeBon on how altruistic perfectionism is self-defeating. You could also read Louise's excellent article, My Experience with Imposter Syndrome and How to Partly Overcome It. You can find a link to that in the show notes for this episode, uh, or you could listen to the audio version Louisa recorded, which is also on the original 80,000 Hours podcast feed, uh, if you scroll back to December 2022. All right, audio mastering and technical editing for this episode by Milo Maguire. Full transcripts and an extensive collection of links to learn more are available on our site and put together by Katie Moore, and I produced the show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>